Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Delta X podcast with Ellen Shu. These are conversations with changemakers, innovators, and self-starters who have made their mark on the world at a young age. Breaking down the journeys of those who are changing the status quo and building the future today. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. to Delta X Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Shu, and today we're gonna to be talking about some AI and AI ethics, among many other different interdisciplinary topics. So my guest today is Catherine, and she's the founder of AI ethics education nonprofit called Fairbytes. Um, she's also currently a junior at Harvard studying computer science with an English minor. And beyond that, she's also the lead venture partner at Contrary Capital. She also has a lot of work experience in AI. For example, she's previously worked at the Disney Studio Lab, Dover IBM Research, and Apple in both AI research and also software engineering roles. Um, so thanks so much for coming on, Catherine. Really excited to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much, Alan. So just to get started off, how did you first get involved in AI and AI ethics? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I don't think a lot of college students or anyone in general knows a lot about AI ethics, which is a big problem I've discovered in, in the process that we want to solve. So how I got started is uh, my friend and I, we came across this really powerful text generating AI called GPT-2 uh, created by OpenAI. And not only could it generate just sentences, it, it could generate full fiction pieces, news articles, even poetry, just type in a few words and it will finish writing for you. And as a writer myself, I was really curious to play around with it. I was like, wow, AI can write really cool stuff now. Let's see what it can do. Mm -hmm. But within minutes, we found this really disturbing pattern that, that the sentences differ depending on what you input. So if you type in like the man works as, it, it created these sentences of like the man worked as a salesman, mm -hmm. a doctor, a journalist, Okay, it seems pretty normal. But on the other hand, when we did the same thing, but with women, like she worked as it out the GPT two outputted things like she worked as a stripper, a prostitute, oh. a nanny, um, and then these terms over and these these occupations over and over again, and um, we were stunned. We we were surprised. Like, was this just a bad day for the AI, or or was this huh. a deeper pattern? Um, and, and after deeper research into this, we found that, yeah, this, this was a deeper, more prevalent pattern and that the, the issues of AI ethics and fairness are actually surprisingly prevalent in, in our lives in general. Um, and, and AI today is, is used all around us with like, mm -hmm. I don't know, Siri and Alexa and, and Facebook ad recommendations or like your, your text autocomplete. It's everywhere directly impacting us all, no matter if, if, if you're like, 14 on your phone or, or 70 even my grandma is interacting with siri these days and but the longer we stay unaware of all these dangers or potential harms of ai just not even like we, even understanding how the ai works behind the scenes is really important and and the the more we're unaware of these the more we could be harmed Mm -hmm. um, but I found that the deeper I dug into it, a lot of the research and information in AI ethics exists solely in, in very dense technical research papers. 
that's not really accessible to, to a lot of people at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so given this lack of exposure that the, the public and the media has towards AI ethics, I, last year I started writing these blog articles, kind of breaking down important AI ethics papers and concepts in, in more simple writing, both for myself and, and just for the people around me to better understand. And I thought that this really was just for my friends and family, the people I knew. Uh-huh. But, but some of these articles really blew up to tens of thousands of views. Some got translated in international AI publications. And I got a lot of emails and comments from, from people ranging from high schoolers to, to someone who is a, like a retired senior professional who used to work in, in a technical industries. They were asking me for, for resources about how to learn more about AI ethics. And that's when I realized people do want to understand more about both AI and AI ethics. There just isn't a lot of information out there. So from there, I decided to, to expand more from just the like written content to what Fairbytes is today, an organization advancing AI ethics education through uh, bite size, as I like to call it, through bite size content, resources, uh, courses, and community. Uh, we just really want to help others, especially underrepresented groups and, and younger individuals, because um, the, the, our, our, the next few generations are the ones who are going to live a full life with AI super prevalent in their lives. Mm-hmm. want to help others to, to really learn about AI from both technical and ethical perspectives. And if they want to build AI systems th- themselves, we teach them to not only care about the, the technical implementation, but to also consider like who they're designing these algorithms for mm-hmm. and, and ha- how AI can maximize help for them. Because at the end of the day, we're not building AIs for just ourselves, but for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point too, like how you mentioned, it's not just about the technical aspect and the fact that we do have all this like amazing technology, like with what you mentioned, the GPT-2, and now there's like GPT-3 and all of these larger and larger language models. Uh, but also we need to consider like, what are the, what are the ethics and also um, how, are, how are like AI possibly like exacerbating some of the current biases that we hold ourselves as a society? Right, right. Yeah, and I know you mentioned, um, you know, we, we're constantly interacting with these types of AI, whether we are aware of it or not. Um, but what are some examples you think about, like, some areas that AI ethics is currently touching upon our lives that most people might not realize? Yeah, I think one of the earliest and best described applications is uh, comes from a woman called Joy Bulamwani, who used to mm-hmm. work in the MIT Media Lab. She was working on a project where she wanted to kind of do this dystopian sci-fi project where you look into a mirror and it would like overlay like kind of like a Snapchat filter on your face, but like on oh, the mirror. So uh-huh. she was using all these like facial recognition, facial recognition systems to try to do that. And she, re- she realized none of them were detecting her face. So, but then she tried on this like plastic white mask and suddenly all of the systems could detect her face. And and she was wondering what was happening. So she and and other researchers over the years have have found that a lot of different facial recognition systems performed far worse on on women and also individuals with dark skin tones. And that was one of the really big earliest examples that really set the way for digging deeper into AI ethics applications or, or like 
in our society because these facial recognition systems are being used in surveillance cameras for law enforcement, for example, mm-hmm. or um, like iPhones have face ID to detect your face. Um, they, they, they kind of are, are growing like uh, ubiquitously all around us and we still need to, to improve this a lot more. Um, a, a more relevant example that, that people might not think of, but, but for your audience, a, a lot of high schoolers, a lot of high schoolers around the world are, are in this international baccalaureate program called, oh. called the IB, right? Uh-huh. And, and last year, they canceled their spring exams due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and instead of, I don't know, I, I don't know what the alternatives were, but what the IB did is they used the secret AI algorithm to predict your scores, to, to predict oh. what you would have gotten on the exams had they not been canceled. And wow. these predicted grades would count towards your final grade, which determines what colleges a, a student can get into. And um, th- this was really interesting. The IB did not reveal how the algorithm was designed, tested, or, or implemented at all. Um, and, and Wired revealed that the, the factors that the one's predicted grade relied on tended to focus on a student's grades on assignments and, and, and the grades from past graduates of their school. And so these factors that the prediction relied on are, are not fair across uh-huh. all schools, especially in, in the sense that there might be like bias in terms of the past graduates of your school not being an exact indicator of any individual student. Um, mm-hmm. like, like say like more established schools with a longer history might end up with like being an advantage because of their long history versus like newer schools. Or like, so there were like just a lot of these po- possible bias problems. There's a lot of potential, like just using an algorithm in general to predict mm-hmm. scores that could really change someone's life path is, is not a great idea, especially without consultation of um, AI experts, mm-hmm. AI ethics experts. So here, yeah, these are some examples in, in very different ways of, of how AI ethics issues come into play currently. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know about the IB one because my school personally is an IB, but I, I can definitely see how that um, can be seen as something that's very unfair, especially because, like you mentioned, you don't really know what's going on with the model. Like it's not disclosed, so it's also not transparent. Also, if you like, do take a look at these factors. Um, yeah, it could make like a lot of generalizations, um, especially like since it's talking about someone's like future college path, or even with what you mentioned and different like facial recognitions, or like even if like you they're using in evidence like court cases. Um, it's definitely really important to factor in how all of these can have really widespread implications. Um, but I know you mentioned that you started off writing blog posts for AI ethics, which I think is really awesome. And also because you're a writer, um, which we can definitely talk about a little bit more later on. Um, but what are some of these topics that you've found that people are interested in? And what are some of like, the different branches, if there are any branches of AI ethics that are more prominent um, that you think that most people can be looking towards to if they're interested? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think a lot of people have been very interested by uh, the newer research that we've been covering, like when GPT-3 came out um, last year, which is the more like upgraded premiere version of GPT-2, the the writing AI. uh, We published an article about discussing and summarizing the, the fairness implications of GPT-3 because the researchers actually 
did something great and they included a section in their paper dedicated to analyzing their issues of fairness. So that was wonderful. But I guess a lot of people didn't know about that. And um, that article got a lot of traction because it was a very new research thing, brought bring a lot of hype. GBT3 is used in a lot of startups and products today and people were very curious about it. Uh, so yeah, I think the, the like more advanced, like newer research tools or ideas have been very interesting to people. Some other content we published that um, readers have liked are when we combine AI ethics with other topics. One of our writers, she's a law student. I wrote this incredible overview of legal technology and their ethical implications mm-hmm. or um, AI ethics in, in more specific subfields like computer vision or natural language processing, which are like all fields I am super interested in and have been fascinated to see both like the AI innovation development, but also the, uh-huh. the ethical development and push forward. So there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. Personally, I think something else that is cool is also thinking about these topics more from a philosophical perspective too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, could you tell me more about like the philosophical perspective? And I think that's like also really cool part about AI is can tell you more about not even just like technology, but also like more about like psychology or like philosophy. And there's just so many cool connections. Yeah, I think something uh, interesting that I've uh, reflected upon AI ethics uh-huh. is how like a lot of the times AI, these biases and unfairnesses that come from AI reflect the biases and unfairnesses of, of society, of, mm-hmm. of these assumptions or historical biases our society has held. But like in, an, in a lot of AI ethics research, we're trying to find ways to mitigate and, and remedy these issues. And if we're able to kind of de-bias these models or algorithms, we also can push forward an effect on society um, that is kind of like de-biasing society. I I don't know if I would phrase it that way exactly, but kind of like reversing this direction. And and so like from a philosophical perspective, if we take away all the technical ideas and, and look at things more from just societal and ethical frameworks it's a very interesting outlook and um to to observe upon and i don't think there is a lot of philosophical viewpoints on this topic so i'm hoping hoping to learn more and and discuss more and i always love talking to people about it yeah that's super fascinating i've heard once like from somewhere that ai is kind of like a mirror that reflects back onto society so it's like by trying to build these AI systems that like mimics the human brains and how like we as humans learn, I can also tell us a lot about ourselves and like how the human like brain works or how we learn and how like the biases that we have in society actually proliferate. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting concept. I never really thought about that, but um, that would make a lot of sense that, you know, when you try to solve AI ethics, you're also in part like trying to figure out ways that we can even uh, make our own like human biases or uh, try to be more ethical in our own societies as well. Um, but before we move on to a different theme in this conversation, which we'll move more into uh, like how you're pursuing both CS and writing, um, I'm really interested to hear about how you think that we could do better in terms of AI ethics or what are some new steps that we can take as well? I think that's the golden question, one that a lot of experts from the technical community, ethical community, the policy community, like everyone's trying to solve. 
And personally for me and in line with what I've been doing with Fair Bites, I think a really important way is to generate conversation about it like we're doing here Mm -hmm. is to increase education and awareness about these topics with AI and technology being a necessity in our, our, not just our futures, but our present already, I think is really important for people to, everyone to be technology and AI literate from our, the, the current generations that are growing up to developers, to corporations, to researchers, as well as on the other side, to, to consumers and, and deployers of all these technologies. It's really important to be understanding and educated about not just the technical aspects, which is also really important for understanding. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really good to really understand what you're using um, before you use it, but also the the ethical and like ethical impact and consequences. For sure. Yeah. And what you're doing with Fairbytes is really amazing. I think, like you mentioned, there's not that many resources for AI ethics. And personally, before this conversation, uh, I might have seen it in like a few research papers, but I don't really hear about it being talked a lot. Um, so I think what you're doing with your blog and also with your nonprofit is really incredible um, and something that's definitely helping to uh, like helping us move forward in terms of being more fair about AI and thinking more about this as a problem. Um, but yeah, so I know that in the beginning, we mentioned how you're like pursuing both computer science and English. Um, so I'm really interested to hear about like how your interest in both technologies and the humanities developed and like also how you decided to pursue both in college? Yeah, I get this question a lot when people uh, find out I'm studying both. They're like, wow, computer science and English, that's that's not a common combination. And, and for me, they, the two interests started out, um, actually, I wouldn't say they started out separately. I would say uh-huh. I start, my interest started in more of the writing in English. Mm-hmm. Um, I always loved English classes growing up. Um, and I, the, on the right, more on the writing aspect, I was a massive fandom geek. I wrote a lot of Harry Potter and Star Wars fan fiction growing uh-huh. up. Um, and, and that actually was a huge impetus in, into getting me more into the writing world. I got a lot of great feedback and comments from other fans and mm-hmm. ended up joining online writing communities. And, and to this day, I owe a lot of my love for writing to, to uh-huh. such great communities uh-huh. there. Um, but going back to, to, how that involves CS. Um, I loved writing. I loved English classes. I loved learning new words. Um, but my classmates hated this weekly assignment of learning new words. I think we had to memorize like 30 new words every week, get quiz on it, iterate. Um, yeah. and, and when I asked them like, oh, I don't think it takes that long. They were like, no, that's, that's such a waste of time. That's time used for memorizing new words that I could be spending playing video games. <laughs> um, and, and I thought, wow, what if we could make learning new words a video game? And so I, I learned how to code and, and my friend and I built up this, this prototype with a like drag and drop kind of app <laughs> development builder back then uh-huh. um, that, that actually lets my, my, like my classmates and friends test it out. And um, how it worked is you could pop balloons with letters on them to spell new words and Uh then you learn what they mean and see if they were valid words or not and over time I developed that into a a real iOS app and just like it got me really loving and um, realizing that coding had 
gave me the ability to to build things, real impactful things that other people could use and benefit from. And that, that was something I, I really appreciated. I love being able to solve the problems of my friends and classmates. And I, I realized I could do that to a much larger scale with it. Uh, so over, over my college years, um, I've, I've explored a lot of different areas of coding and, and, um, and AI, especially because I was pretty fascinated by it, especially in, in machine learning, uh, natural language processing, which deals a lot with text and words, uh, algorithmic fairness to, to touch on the fairness and ethics. And more recently, I've been getting increasingly involved with startups and, and venture capital, which are more like related to, to like early stage companies starting one. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love how, you know, in the process of trying to get more people into like writing that also like pulled you into computer science and you ended up really liking that as well and still like pursuing both. Um, but yeah, I know you mentioned that you were able to dabble in a lot of different opportunities in college. And I noticed that like one thing that you were really involved in was both like research and internship opportunities. Um, so what was your experience like, like working for these companies? And uh, yeah, overall, how was like your experience um, as like a, a CS intern? Yeah, I think having these, I'm very grateful to have had these opportunities. I think it's really important to explore a lot of different areas before you embark on on, on your full-time career after graduation. I think when I was a high schooler, or even a lot of times in college, I feel really like kind of stressed about what I want to do with my life because I, uh -huh. I still don't know. And that's where I'm at now too. Yeah. And I, you. I, th I think high school felt like a, like a sprint when, when life really is a marathon. And so it's okay to not know what you want to do. And I, that's the mindset I go into with research or internships. I want to take this chance, do the best at, at, at it I can to, to learn as much as I can and also learn to see if I like it or not, or if there are aspects of what I like and what I don't like. Mm -hmm. um, so with different internships, I've had massively different experiences, very different roles and, and projects I've worked on. And I felt that that has been really helpful for me in exploring myself, my own interests, um, developing my skills and yeah. And we'll see how that, that plays out in the future. That's awesome. Um, and I saw that one thing that you're working on was like, uh, specifically for Disney, you were developing like neural style transfer tools, which I think is really cool because uh, I don't think most people are like, I've only recently just heard of how Disney's planning on using AI. Um, so how have you been seeing like a lot of different companies start thinking about different applications of AI? That is a great question. I think AI is such a hot buzzword that a lot of companies, mm -hmm. if they haven't already, are definitely jumping on it. Um, Disney is the first like non-tech company I interned at, uh, unlike other, unlike tech companies, which like you think like a traditionally like, like Apple or Google mm -hmm. or like software startups. Disney is at its core, a media company who wants to push out the best content and stories they can. And for me, I really value this opportunity as someone who, who loves both technology and storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, something I, I was really lucky that I was able to bring my experience in both to, to work on for them. Um, in, in the world of media and entertainment, AI is very new. Like they don't necessarily know where to fit it in. Mm -hmm. And I was able to work on a more research and development project, exploring um, style transfer tools that could potentially help artists 
um, in the future. So I think it's, it's, and it was really cool to see them be open to it and also ask a lot of questions about how this could work, how this could be used. Hey, what if there's this? Or like, what problems are there with this? They were pretty open to discussions of, of ethical issues too. And mm-hmm. just, it was a, a very interesting experience overall. And they were very open to using it. They already are working on a lot of AI research and, and uh-huh. tools and they're very open to, to continuing to grow that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool if like uh, we see companies start to be using these things as sort of like a creative tool as well. Um, because I think when we think of AI, we don't often think of like it being creative, but there's definitely some things where we've seen that like AI can produce really cool outputs that can maybe even be used for like human inspiration and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much, Ellen. It was really great to talk more about AI ethics topics and and interdisciplinary paths, which I hope the listeners out there, if you have a lot of or different interests, you don't you don't feel like you have to be bracketed into one bucket. You can be proud of pursuing at the intersection of a lot of things. So thank you so much, Ellen. It's it's been a huge honor to, to be on your podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Catherine. And for all the listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and took something new from Catherine's story and um, all the things we talked about. Um, But yeah, I'll link down below Fairbytes if you want to see in the show notes, as well as a newsletter that you can subscribe to to keep up with these episodes every two weeks. Um, But yeah, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys in the next one. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Delta X Podcast with Ellen Shu. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.